more than a few words, a marketing conversation for small business owners. MTFW is a production of Roundpeg where we help small businesses become big businesses. This is your host, Lorraine Ball, and today I'm really excited. I'm getting a chance to talk to, I'm going to say a longtime friend because I don't like the term old friend, Ruth King. Um, good morning, Ruth. Good morning, Lorraine. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm so glad that you're, you could join us. We're going to We'll have a little fun. We'll talk a little bit about pricing and some other things, but a little bit of housekeeping first. Um, as always, Allison Carter, good morning, Allison. Good morning. Is going to be on Twitter. She's going to be managing the stream. So if you've got a question or a comment for, uh, for us, please feel free to post it um, with the hashtag pound, MTFW, or just direct it to at Roundpeg, and we'll be at, sure to catch your comments. You can also join the live chat through the Blog Talk Radio stream, and you can call in at 805-285-9865. If you have a question, be sure to push the one key on your phone so I know you're ready to talk. Okay, admin out of the way. Ruth King, you're doing so many different things, I don't know where to start, so I'm going to let you talk about some of your most interesting projects right now. Okay. Thanks, Lorraine, for the opportunity. You know, we're talking about marketing here, and, and marketing is so critical to everything that you do because you've got – one of the things I learned and I teach in, in business schools is the fact that you can you get everything ready for a project or a company or a business, and then you think the world's going to come to you. They don't. You actually have to go out and market. You have to go out and sell. You have to go out and make sure that people know why they need you and why they should buy your products and services. So marketing is a key component of everything that I do. Um, my 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 next book, my third book, The Courage to Be Profitable, will be out right at Christmas time, and it's the how to get and stay profitable in less than 30 minutes a month, and it's and it has so much to do with pricing and so much to do with knowing that the marketing dollars you're investing are actually being productive for you, and you, there's formulas that you can use to do that. And then we're also hosting the Small Business World Summit in honor of Small Business Saturday and Black Friday and Cyber Monday, which is a free online event that entire weekend with nine absolutely phenomenal speakers who have real down-to-earth information for small business owners. And it's cool. It's a lot of fun. Um, I hosted the whole thing, and it is really good information that small businesses can take away immediately and implement in their businesses. So those okay. are two of the major projects. Awesome. Okay, so the Small Business Summit, and we'll put it on the blog post as well, but if people want to go somewhere to get information, is there a specific web address they can go to for that project? Yes, it's www.smallbusinessworldsummit.com. Dot com S M A L L B U S I N E S S W O R L D S U M M I T dot com. Awesome. Okay. Well, we will definitely be there to share it. We're. Um, I definitely want to uh, take a look at that. I think that this is one of the times that is so unique for small businesses because there are so many amazing resources online if you just know where to look for them. Oh, absolutely. And so this is cool, but I want to jump back and I want to talk about your new book um, uh, because this is something, I mean, you know, and we've talked about this for years. We both come out of a lot of time in the HVAC industry, and that's a business where I think um, small business owners really undervalue what they do. Definitely. Absolutely, definitely. Um, the, the reality is 
it's not only HVAC guys and it's not only that, but it's just business owners in general. I find that they don't have the self-esteem to ask what they really are worth. And to, in order to figure out what you're really worth, you have to answer one of the first questions in my book is, do you have a business or do you have a hobby? Oh, you know, that is, um, it's so funny you said that because last week we actually talked to somebody who made that transition from biz, from a hobby, you know, to a business. And um, I think a lot of business owners think they're running a business, but they're afraid to, they're afraid to charge what they want. And the other side of it is I think they're afraid to invest. Uh-huh. And yeah. So okay, so the question so some of the questions in your book and some of the things that people should be thinking about to figure out how do okay. you how do you get profitable? You have to decide are you running a business or a hobby? What else? The second thing is you have to decide and determine what your net profit per hour actually is. And I'll give you some real-life examples. One of my clients came to me and was really happy that he made a $50,000 profit in a particular year. When we, when we divided that 50000 into the number of billable hours that he had, he was making less than $5 an hour, and he was shocked. He could, he could have done more at McDonald's earning that. Uh, you know, um uh, I, I've been in business almost 11 years, and um, there have clearly been years when I would have been better um, uh, working at a department store. Not only would I have made more an hour, but I would have gotten a discount on my clothes. <laughs> and, and, and if you have a loss in a particular year, you've actually paid your customers to do, do their work, which is nuts. It, 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 it is nuts. Um and so, um, so figuring out what your net profit per hour is, and then um, setting a goal and, and setting your pricing to uh, to raise that. To reflect that, yeah. Basically, you go backwards in a profit and loss statement. You decide that I want to make, you know, let's say let's say it's ten dollars an hour because I can do that in my head. I think that's a little low, but you know, let's do it so that that's in my head. So we want to make ten dollars an hour. We know that our overhead cost is let's say twenty dollars an hour, and so that our before we even get anywhere, we have thirty dollars that we have to cover in cost and profit, and then we calculate how much our direct cost is to get our selling price. You just work backwards up the profit and loss statement. And it actually is pretty easy when you do it that way. But most people go from the top to the bottom and hope that they have a profit. That's not the way to do it. You know, um, when you start looking at some of that, I think there's the other side of it is, you know, I think if somebody comes up with a price and goes, oh, I can't charge 50 an hour or $100 an hour or $200, whatever it is, they get hung up on that. And they fail to ask the questions about what's my service worth to the person who's using it. If they don't think they can charge that much, then they have a self-esteem issue. If they are providing value to a client they and the client values what they're doing, then they should be able to charge what they need and justify what they need for profit. Mm-hmm. The, uh, you know, one of the conversations I used to have with contractors is um, when I talk to them about, and, and small business owners in general, when I talk to them about raising their prices, and it's like, how many sales did you close last week? Well, you closed 10 sales. If you raise your price 10%, how many of those sales do you think you wouldn't close? And when they think about it that way, many of them go, well, I probably would have gotten 9 out of the 10. When you run the numbers, 
you actually make more by doing by selling less. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, so when you find that kind of balance point, um, right? Okay, so um, deciding whether or not you're a business or a hobby, um, figuring out what your net profit is worth. What else do business owners have to do? They have to understand their balance sheets because their balance sheets are much more critical than their P&Ls, profit and loss statements, actually. Your balance sheet tells you whether you can pay your bills. It tells you whether you um, are having a collection problem. It tells you whether you're taking on too much debt. I mean, it tells you so much about your business. And for people who have inventory, they tell you know, my, you, you heard my famous line of inventory is a bet many times, Lorraine, but they, your listeners haven't. Um, but inventory is a bet. You are betting your hard-earned dollars that you're going to be able to sell something that you buy. It's not a bet. And, you know, go look at your shops. How much bets, how good of bets have you made, you know, those of you who have inventory? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, you You are gambling. And, and um, you know, particularly if you're in a business where um, uh, inventory gets old, you know, uh, it gets out of date, you, you really do have to watch that um, and watch that ratio. Um, one of my favorite, well, my favorite, one of the ways I ran my business in the early days is I always look at, I ignore what's in cash, and I look at what my receivables are and what my payables are. And in my business, I'm always looking for a two-to-one ratio. If I've got twice as much money coming in as what I already know I'm committed to, I know I'm going to be okay. And I think a lot of I, I think that you know having a couple of ratios and, and really understanding that becomes very important for small business owners. Right. The other thing that I would add to your receivables to payables ratio is your receivable days. All right, which really tells you on from the time you send out an invoice to the time you get paid, how many days is it? You need both of those ratios. Absolutely. I, I think um, if uh, in if you, particularly if you're in a business where you don't bill anything until the project is over. Um, and I saw this uh, for a company that I was working for years and years ago. Um, he was all excited about getting a government project, and he just thought this was the neatest thing and didn't realize that they would be 60 to 90 days mm-hmm. in their payables. And... Um, Waiting, you know, he had to outlay the cash on day one. He had to pay salaries through the whole project. He finished the project, and then he had two to three months before he got paid, and then he was paying interest on money he borrowed to pay bills until that great big check came. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's hard. It, it is, um, and, and I think that that's something that, uh, again, if you're paying attention to how, not just how much do people owe you, but how long have, you know, how long are they stretching out those payments? Um, okay, what else should they be thinking about as they're um, planning kind of their, looking at becoming more profitable and getting braver about their businesses? All right, I have three rules that I use. They're called Ruth's Rules. And what they do is they allow you, let's say, let's say that you're thinking about doing um, a radio project and you want to go invest, you know, X number of dollars in a radio ad or in a newspaper ad or a television ad or a direct mail piece or, you know, whatever else it is. And let's say it's going to cost you $1,000 to do that. Is it worth doing that or not? 
And if you take Ruth's rule, my Ruth's rule number two, and all of this is explained in the book, take that $1,000 and divide it by the, the gross margin of your company, that will tell you how much you have to generate in revenue to make that ad break even. And can you do it or not? It becomes a black and white decision at that point. If you think that you can generate you know, a million dollars off a $1,000 ad, and I hope that happens, then obviously you're going to do that. But if you're not going to at least generate, you know, let's say $440,000 or whatever else the number comes out to be, do not do that ad. Okay. Um, you, skipped, you, you jumped for a minute for me. Go back and tell me Ruth's rule number one. Uh, Ruth's rule number one has to do with, if you know, the direct cost of a making something, making a product. What you do is you take that direct cost and divide by one minus your gross margin, and that will give you the selling price you have to have. You've got to know your gross margin, i.e. sales minus cost of sale equals gross profit, and then gross profit divided by sales is gross margin. So, I, I know mean, that's quick. Yeah, but, and, and, and you know what? If people really want all the formulas, they're going to have to buy the book, no question. But I, just, just this idea of really understanding direct cost, I think it's easy when you're in a business with um, – uh, specific labor, uh, you know, where you're you're paying somebody X dollars an hour to do a job and it takes X amount of hours. Um, we struggle with that a lot um, in our business because um, it's harder to determine how many hours did we really spend on a project when you manage um, multiple projects and throughout the day you're you're switching gears. You're not, sure. you know. You know, my writer um, or my web designer doesn't work for eight hours on one project. They may work for half an hour, get a phone call, talk to a client, jump over to something else, and then go back to it. Um, but I think it's still really important to um, to periodically look at that. We we just went through that analysis on our web design projects and figured out that um, we we were not charging enough. We're charging more than we were a year ago, and we're making money, but when we really broke it down, we were like, wow, that's really not worth doing at that price. So in other uh, words, your net profit per hour was two cents an hour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe a little bit more than two cents, but, <laughs> not, but not necessarily enough for me to say, wow. And, and especially because you start to get more projects, and then you're like, okay, well, now we have to hire somebody else. And then it's like, okay, wait a minute. You know, more is not better, but it could be better if we were charging the right amount. Sure. Uh, and so then, and then the second one is um, really looking at that, that rule number two, really looking at what you're going to spend on an advertisement and comparing that to what do you think you're going to get out of it. Um, right. Are you going to generate enough? And um, I... I think a lot of times uh, as we're working with companies about what they're investing in their marketing, um, they're either not being realistic about, you know, yeah, you may get, you know, 100 people to come to your website when you run that pay-per-click program, but how many of them are filling out a conversion form? How many of them are really becoming prospects and how many of them are becoming customers? And, and, you know, really tying that to the bottom line. Okay, so we got rules one and two. Rule number three. Rule number three is you you want to make a profit because you're not in this for practice anymore. <laughs> so rule number three says you take your cost for your ad or your cost for whatever, 
Um, that's an overhead cost. And divide by the gross margin minus the profit percentage you want to make. And that will tell you what your selling price needs to be. Uh, yes. So, um, uh, so really comparing the cost of what you're spending on your ad um, to what the average sale is. How, so, looking at how many sales, looking at at, at what the uh, profit percentage is. So, essentially, if you start raising your prices and making more profit, you can actually afford to advertise more, and then you'll make more sales, and and the whole thing kind yep. of cycles upward. Absolutely. And and the the thing is to put it on paper at least the first time because if you do that, um, you may decide that you don't want to advertise in a specific medium because it, you don't think you're going to get – for example, if if, it's, if the cost or the amount of sales you have to generate, let's say, is, is $10,000 and your and your price for whatever you're promoting is, you know, $2, are you going to be able to do, you know, 5,000 of these things to at least break even, and if the answer is no, you wouldn't do it. Yeah, and I think that um, a lot of times, I think I, I talk to business owners who call me and say, "Hey, I got a great deal on an ad in the newspaper, the radio. They're discounting. Um, you know, I, I can run all of these ads in this time slot. It won't cost me very much. But if you're not, if, if it's a bad time slot, if you're not going to get the results." It is more expensive than um, an ad that might cost four times that, but that will actually deliver results. Exactly. You have to make choices. And, and I, I think um, holding. I, I think the other side of it is holding your marketing accountable on the back end. I think a lot of people spend the money, think about what they need, but then they run the ads and then don't bother on the back end to track the results. Agreed. And tracking is really important because gut reaction doesn't count. I remember years ago sitting in the office of a of a contractor during a um, a service tech meeting where they had sent out these postcards to customers for I can't remember what, and the owner had this gut reaction that nothing was working. And the tech to a person said, "What do you mean? Everyone is handing us back these blue cards, but they'd never tracked it, so they didn't know." And 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 um. There is a difference between kind of an impression and, and the actual. Um, I know that, um, you know, when we do direct mail, uh, it, it depends sort of when, kind of when you walk by the front desk. You know, on one day you may have a lot of cards, um, and for a different mailing you may get, they may trickle in more over time. And if you're, if you're not actually tracking total numbers, the one that gets a lot of response on a single day you may feel like that one was more productive, whereas the other one has more of a, a steady stream of, of responses over time. And, and, right. and that kind of flies under the radar screen. You're like, oh, yeah, we only got two or three a day. Yeah, but you got two or three a day for 10 days or for 20 days versus the 15 that popped up and then you didn't get any more response. So and the direct mail, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was like, so that anecdotal is not always, um, or the qualitative um, perception is not always as accurate as, as really looking at the hard numbers. Right. And with direct mail, you have to be very careful, too, because I've known people to keep direct mail for six months or a year and then make a phone call. Yes. Um, and um, a couple of things that we've told people and, and that we recommend is um, splitting the mailings. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, so that, uh, and especially, you know, when you're trying to drive sales for a particular time period, um, you don't want to flood your system. You know, you don't want to go feast or famine. And so kind of staggering them over time, what we've even seen is sometimes the exact same postcard, depending on what else is going on in the world that week, um, the exact same postcard going, you know, 1,000 people this week, 1,000 people next week, 1,000 people the week after. One week you may get a lot more interaction than the next week because there was a snowstorm. There was um, an election. A hurricane. Yeah, there was a hurricane. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's all sorts of, of things that are outside your control that distract people. And so you know, um, splitting it up kind of and measuring over time. And you're right, I've had people, um, uh, and I see it both with email and with um, with postcards. I have people that I know have been getting my email newsletters for three, four, and five years mm-hmm. who finally one day pick up the telephone and say, okay, I get it. I need to work with you. Yeah. So it is, it, yeah, it, 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 it definitely cycles over time. Okay, so what else do business owners need to be thinking about either in their pricing in general or other strategies to be um, to move more confidently to a profitable future? I would suggest that you take 30 minutes a month, which is not going to kill anybody. And when your financial statements are done, number one, they have to be accurate. Number two, they have to be timely. For example, getting um, October's financial statements in, in December does you no good. So you need to have your financial statements by the 15th of the following month. And, and then actually sit down, do the ratios that I talk about in the book, look at the trends, and make good business decisions based on what you're seeing. And that will help you to be profitable more than anything else. It's just like getting your scorecard every single month and working through it. it you know, um, it is uh, it's interesting because I, although I outsource a lot of my accounting and bookkeeping, I will still jump in and look at my numbers a couple of times a month, and I know the difference when I've let that go too long because all of a sudden I see things like, wow, I didn't realize that client hadn't paid us, and mm-hmm. you know, gee, you know, and and it's just it's those little things that I think a business owner you start to make changes in how you're doing business if you're paying attention. Absolutely, and and by paying attention, you can make good business decisions that you can think about rather than having to react out of crisis. I had clients tell me he he would run his business. He was getting financial statements every six months. Oh my gosh! He, oh yeah, and he had been losing money for six months and didn't realize it because they it was. Um, it was a retail shop, and they were moving lots of inventory, and and so there was always cash flow because there were always sales. And he put a lot of money in, you know, in, invested up front that he assumed he was working down off that inventory. And he was six months into it, and you know, I, I mean, he was lucky he was still in business. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, and you know, at, uh, once he dug out of that, um, and he had, you know, he had to borrow money to dig out of it, but. That was such an eye-opener for him. He's like, how could the business have gotten this far out of whack that fast? And I'm like, six months is not fast. No. I had one who grew the business to about $2 million 
and then stopped growing and then started having problems paying their bills. And then when I did the analysis, they had been losing a nickel for every dollar that came in the door for about 10 years. Oh and the fact God. that it was only it was only a nickel and, you know, the, the cash from one project paid the next project startup. And as long as they were growing, there was always sufficient cash. When they stopped growing is when they started seeing the problems. And growth masks so much with respect to profitability because you think you've got cash, you're okay. That's not necessarily true. Um, it's that theory of, you know, um, I, I'm going to buy it. It's the old joke. I'm going to buy watermelons for a buck and sell them in 95 cents, and I'm going to make it up in volume. You can't. <laughs> I mean, no, you can't. <laughs> sooner or later, it catches up with you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, so we've got just a few more minutes. Um, are you still um, doing seminars around the country? Yes, I, I am. I'm doing a lot more of them online because of what we do with the broadcasting that we do. Um, I'm actually doing one for dispatchers and service managers, which probably has nothing to do with most of your listeners in, in Florida in about three weeks. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So, uh, and, and are you going to be talking about um, the contents of, of your new book? No, the, uh, the contents of the book, I'm going to do one in February in Myrtle Beach. I'm going to do a, a seminar on that in the new book there. But the new book, um, unfortunately, dispatchers and service managers are not the target audience for the new book. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that they're, um, that's more service dispatch kind of organization and process stuff. Um, right. Okay, so what else do um, – do I need do do we need to tell folks about in the last few minutes remaining? One of the things that I always give every small business owner who wants it is I wrote a manual called Keeping Score um, Financial Management for Entrepreneurs, and I give it free to everybody. It's it's 86 pages of what a P&L is, what a balance sheet is. And if you go to one of my other websites, which is www.divaofthedollars.com, you can just request that and it will download to you uh, absolutely free. And that's the very, very basics that you need to do you know, so that you know that your marketing is good. Awesome. That, um, that is uh, terrific. We definitely will share that link as well. Um, I think that having a good grasp on your financials makes it so much easier for me to have a conversation with a business about, you know, doing some creative marketing and being courageous enough to make some of those investments if you were um if you already understand what you what you can invest based on, on how profitable or not profitable your business is. This has been terrific. I've really enjoyed the conversation. It's, it's always fun to kind of catch up because um, we don't get to see each other face to face anymore. I don't. No, we don't. <laughs> but you know what? With the um, uh, internet, it's certainly easier to keep track. I forgot to mention this earlier. If you would like to learn more about what Ruth King is doing, she is on Twitter at Ruth King. Um, so you can certainly drop her a question after the show. Um, Ruth, why don't you go through some of your websites and contact info again as we're closing up the okay. conference. All right. If you the Small Business World Summit is a free conference. Each session is about thirty minutes long. You can watch 
three. You have 24 hours to watch each one, so we can't say we'll do this later, but it's really worth your time because it's practical things you can implement immediately to grow your business. That website to register for free is www.smallbusinessworldsummit.com. If you want the Keeping Spore Manual free, you can go to www.divaofthedollars.com. And if you have any questions, you can just call us at 877-520-4321, and we'll be happy to help you. Or you can pre-order the book by calling us, too. Awesome. Ruth, thank you again. This has been terrific. It's great info for our listeners. Um, if you have enjoyed today's program, if you'd like to learn more about marketing, business planning, pricing, be sure to check out our blog at roundfed.biz. This has been another episode, more than a few words. Thanks for listening. <laughs>